Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Pastor Christopher McCullough from Amazing Grace Church in the D.C. area. He and I recently met at an exponential event, and we were just sitting around drinking coffee and got talking and kind of struck up a friendship. And so the kind of stuff that they're doing is pretty interesting to me. One of the reasons that I put this podcast together is to reach people who are uh, on the front line actually doing spiritual warfare. And, and I'm trying to avoid the big boys. I, I literally, you know, I got a few friends and once in a while I'll bring them in. But what I really want is to speak to people who are right out there on the front line. So I'm really excited to have Christopher here. Um, just kind of introduce us. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about you. Start out with how did you become a pastor? I want to hear that story. Awesome. Hey, Ralph. First, I want to say I am so honored to be invited to share on your podcast. I'm grateful for the divine connection in which the Lord just happened to put us together at that cohort. I've been able to glean a whole lot from your teachings, and I've been encouraged. I started preaching when I was 16 years old. The Lord called me at a young age. And from there, I actually did ministry in college. I attended the university at Buffalo. I actually was part of the Episcopal campus ministry. I grew up Pentecostal. I went to a Catholic school <laughs> while attending Pentecostal church on Sunday. And then once I got to college, I became a Baptist. So I have a very ecumenical background and I serve as the lead pastor at Amazing Grace Church. We launched in September of 2020. During the pandemic, we launched Sunday morning worship in person, and we've been mostly online since. We do have boots on the ground serving homeless and doing evangelism, but all of our teaching and discipleship have been via either YouTube or Zoom there, and we're moving towards a hybrid. So we're hoping to relaunch come this Easter, our in-person services, but we're also going to continue our online presence at the same time there. So our mission uh, is we exist to make disciples that seek the lost and embrace the broken. Our vision is to make God known and to see people experience his amazing grace, hence Amazing Grace Church. We're kind of a hybrid by God's providence and grace and sovereignty. We launch in person, but he kind of moved us online and we've been serving the online community very well and been blessed to um, now have folks who tithe with us and um, see themselves as members in all I'm in a bunch of different states along with internationally. You're making my head explode. There's so many things that you said that are so positive. Your church isn't huge. So how are you funded? North American Mission Board assists us with funding, but I would say the majority is internal giving. Though we're an online church, our folks are very faithful in their giving. And you guys really are, at this point, what the Baptist 50 years ago would call a mission church. But you're already doing stuff overseas. And you sit around and say, by the grace and providence of God, we got, we got started in covid other people are going, the devil sent COVID to destroy the church, and I hate being online, and I got Zoom fatigue, and I want out of here, and, you know, and, and pastors are leaving the ministry. I think that COVID has, it, it, it's tragedy, 
A lot of people lost their lives. I just lost two friends in the last week. One college roommate just died day before yesterday. And 10 days ago, maybe a guy discipled through college. He started to get better and then he died. That's a tragedy. On the other hand, it's been a great winnowing. The, the, the people who were not serious about church are no longer in church. And to me, I think that's a blessing because the people who are not serious get in your way. They're the ones who complain. Uh, they're the ones who don't do anything. They just, they, they waste space in a, in a church. The people who are serious tend to give. And so the, the, the people who've embraced COVID and embraced the whole online experience, a lot of them are seeing actually an increase in, in their financial well-being in, in the middle of all of this. One of the things that I always preach at people, and I'm going to preach a little bit here, is that whoever you are, you ought to have some overseas presence. You, Jesus said to go to the ends of the earth. And, and, and you're, you're proof that a fairly small congregation, because I think a large congregation is around 100. We aim to start churches at 150, one grew to 10,000, one to 7,000. We've done, we got some big churches. I pastored two churches of a couple thousand. But when I look at the world and the whole world and the stats in America, 75 to 100, that's a big church. So you are, are still a small church. You're already doing overseas missions and you personally have gone. I, I think that's a lesson that whoever's listening to this needs to pay attention to. And the answer to the question of, well, what I do is simply pray. Lord, show me, you know, give me a, a pipeline to somewhere. God will do it. I want to challenge you over, but, and I think I already know the answer, but I'm still going to throw it out as a challenge because I met you at an exponential church multiplication learning community. What I didn't hear was the word multiplication in your value statement. So talk us through that one. And so what I will say uh, to that, I believe my job as a pastor is to uh, uh, develop folks to send them out. So I'm not looking so much at being the biggest church <laughs> online or in person. One of the reasons why multiplication isn't on our values is just that, is, is we're looking to pour into individuals and would I be right in saying that the reason the word multiplication is not in your value statement is that multiplication is, is such a foundational value that it permeates everything? Is that correct? Correct. 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 So, so we know we need resources to reach people. And so that's the reason why we would love that multiplication at the end of the day. Yes. So, so I'm looking forward to an amazing Grace Church multiplication network down the road because we need more of you doing what you're doing I, I i want us to get into the nuts and bolts of talk to us about the mechanics of it now and then project it to what you think it'll look like when it really is what we would call a hybrid church because i think that's the future of the church not just in america it's a future of the church around the world you know i used to go to a, a micro church here in San Diego, it was attached to a church. Well, now it's no longer attached to a church. But we were driving 40 minutes each way to attend that thing. And we, we didn't have a house to meet in. So we were meeting in a big, a huge food court in a Korean-American mall. 
we're sitting at these tables where there's other people sitting at the same table as us, big long wooden benches. So you couldn't be very in, intimate. When COVID hit, we had to go to Zoom. We suddenly found ourselves being intimate with one another because nobody's sitting there listening to us. And then recently I was thinking, well, maybe we should go back to meeting in person. But then it's like, oh, then I'm going to be driving 80 minutes, you know, 80 minute round trip. I'd just rather sit in my living room and talk to my friends. Uh, so I think there's value in this online thing that other people are railing against. You talk to us first about what you're doing and then what you're going to do. Well, first, let me say, Ralph, I believe everything starts with prayer. COVID was a shock and a surprise to us, but it wasn't to God. I've been blessed to have a background in uh, coaching and development. So I worked as an organizational development consultant before I came into the pastorate. Um, and I think that was uh, a strength for me. So I was able, and I will say I'm more flexible to kind of be able to um, shift real quick to be able to say, okay, we know that God has called and purposed us to uh, do this. We've heard clearly from the Lord. So there was no hesitancy to launching because we heard from the Lord and the Lord knew this was, you know, this wasn't a shocker surprise. COVID wasn't a shocker surprise to him. It was now, Lord, how do we do this? How do we reach these folks? And I think um, where the church is lacking a little bit is in the area of innovation. It's almost a secular word <laughs> for the church. But again, with my background and uh, training, it was easy for me, again, to kind of shift and create some different models and approaches to how we were going to do ministry. And I think it's important to be able to start with prayer. So the Lord had provided for us you asked about the nuts and the bolts. We do discipleship through Live the Word Cafe. What we did was just put a virtual twist on that. So it's as if you're walking into a cafe and you're sitting down with friends and having some coffee or tea, but we're doing it online on Zoom. And so all of our marketing, everything that's associated with that is around connectivity, around you walking in, uh, sitting down with friends. And, and instead of just it being a social gathering, it's about the word of God. And so we started out in the book of Matthew, and we went about 40-something weeks through that book. So we go chapter by verse every uh, Monday, and now we're in the book of Luke. We do 30 minutes of Bible study, and we're asking certain questions in that Bible study. What I love about it, it's not me just teaching. I do give a Pastor C's top five. It's an exegesis of the text, but it's really engaging the community that's online with us. We uh, end it with what is it saying to you personally, and how can you live this word in or this passage in your life? And so that's Live the Word Cafe. Every week, they're leaving with those nuggets. After that 30 minutes of Bible study, of engaging the text, we actually go into a 30-minute breakout room, gender-specific, and we ask them specifically, how are you doing really? And then we ask, uh, how have you delighted or, or experienced God in your life this week? How have you been a testimony this week to the greatness of Jesus Christ in both word and action? You know, so really getting in 
to your business. <laughs> Nobody wants to uh, have you up in their business, but these folks are being vulnerable with one another. And what we found in uh, the season of dealing with COVID is that folks are longing for connectivity. I think it makes it easier for people to be vulnerable and to share some of their hurts, some of their pains, and to be honest about are they maturing and growing in the things of Christ. People have embraced that accountability of what I've seen. And what we do is each brother prays for the next brother after they've finished sharing. And it's the same with the women's group there. And so that's one of the things as far as discipleship, that's how we address that. Another, as part of the nuts and bolts uh, piece is we're, we have boots on the ground. I think the end, end all goal will be a hybrid ministry um, both online presence and in person, but we already have boots on the ground in the community that God has called us to. It's called the least of these ministries, and there's a homeless shelter right on New York Avenue, which is right around the corner from the Capitol. There's a men's homeless shelter, and so what we do is we basically we create these kits that are full supplies as far as masks, hand sanitizers. And for men, they're in great need of underwear and socks, which is costly, um, I will say, <laughs> to our budget and supplying those things. We create these kits. Um, we also provide a hot meal from McDonald's and some water. And we hit the streets every Thursday there. And it's not just about giving out the food and uh, the supplies. It's about connecting one-on-one -on -one with these brothers. So they know us. They see us coming with a blue cooler. So they call us the blue cooler brothers. <laughs> um, so that's what we carry the water in. But we're giving them what they need. And we're also giving them the bread of life. We're, we're breaking bread with them. We're giving them, we're asking them, is there anything that we can pray for you about? We know their names. They know our names. I get, leave a card with them so they can connect with me. It's that type of being intentional about local missions. And then again, we have our global missions that we adopted a young student in which we actually give to his schooling monthly. I meet with him every other week, again, online using WhatsApp. <laughs> so I connect with him and I'm discipling him and so that's a blessing. And so again, we're intentional about certain things. I want to interrupt you for a second. As you're talking about the blue cooler deal, the thing that I'm hearing you say is we're making face-to-face -face connection and we're building friendships. We're not just, you know, dumping food on people or surgical masks and bye. But if I if I were doing this, I, I would I would supply each each person who went with me with a with a connect card so with their phone number not your phone number because because i think the key for you at this stage in the church is as fast as you can decentralize things so mm -hmm. that you're already doing it because you mentioned that in the online groups that you're rotating leadership and stuff like that but but boy dump leadership on people as fast as you can as and push it down as much as you can the other thing we did a thing called team hope you might, one of my, well, my buddy, Aaron Suzuki, worked for American Honda, and he was, for a little while, served the race team 
for the motorcycle racing. And so he had all this stuff. He'd always wear jackets, T-shirts, whatever. It said Team Honda on it. Mm-hmm. And so our church was called Hope Chapel. So we made up a T-shirt called Team Hope. And it would say Team Hope, like this would be Team Hope 2022. But you'd only get the T-shirt at our annual picnic. And you mm-hmm. only got the T-shirt if you were involved doing meaningful ministry in the church during that year. So, mm-hmm. like, if you did min- meaningful ministry in 2020 and you didn't do any in 2021, well, then when we have the picnic this spring, you don't get the 2021 T-shirt. You got the old 2021, but you don't get. And what it did was it it made people. I mean, those. And then, it, it, after we gave away all the shirts, if there were extras. We sent them to Africa. We didn't want anybody in America. If you didn't earn the shirt, you don't get the shirt. And I, I think you could build off this blue cooler deal and, and print up some sweatshirts that said blue, the blue cooler gang. And kind of <laughs> let that roll into something that expands as, as people are doing ministry in the church, especially as you go back online. I want to counter one thing you said. And I, and I think you said it because you're in a young church, because I would have said it when I was young. And that is that not every church needs to be hybrid. Well, now I'm old. And, and it, took me, it took me until I was in my mid-50s, I'm 76 right now, before I realized that, that I mean, we always brag, we're, we're going to be a four-generation church. We want great-grandparents and grandparents and parents and kids in our church but we didn't do anything special for the older people in our church finally we threw off a church service on Mm -hmm. saturday night for old people and we started at seven o'clock we ended up moving it all the way down to like 4 p.m because Mm -hmm. we found out the old people don't like to drive after dark and so this way they could go to church and then they like to go out to a restaurant or cafe afterwards and hang out together and we we began to honor them and very quickly, that became our largest donor base. That service was, you know, wasn't by far, it wasn't the biggest service. It wasn't the smallest either, but it wasn't the biggest. But it, but there was more money coming in from that service because those people are, you know, they're serious about it. And so as I look at COVID and coming out of COVID, the, the one thing that I, I see, like I, I have friends pretty much around the world, but one of my friends in Japan uh, said, no, we don't want to do Zoom because the older people in our congregation don't understand technology. Well, I got a friend in Hawaii that would send people into the elderly person's house and and show them how to click on the Zoom link. It's not that hard. And suddenly they're included. But then I began to be aware there are shut-ins. Even while we were doing stuff in Hawaii for the older people, as people got too old, to come out on Saturday for church. They're infirm or they can't drive any longer. We just lost them. We didn't do anything for them. But we also didn't have Zoom available in those days. Now I I would either do a separate Zoom service for them or I would live Facebook stream our service. Or so so I'm I'm arguing with you. I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm telling you that you're a young church, so it doesn't matter yet, but you are doing hybrid. But I think every church needs to become a hybrid church simply because you got shut in elderly people who got nothing. And if you don't provide it, they'll have nothing. And 
And so whoever's listening to this, pay attention to Christopher and learn from what he's about to teach you. So tell us what is hybrid going to look like uh, after Easter? Once you, once you get back into meeting in a physical location, plus you're still doing online. Because a lot of guys are going to the physical location and they're throwing away the online thing. I, I think we're, we're way better off. I mean, one of the questions that I always ask people is, what if we'd had the pandemic before God invented Zoom? <laughs> we'd be in trouble. Zoom and Facebook have carried the church through on YouTube. And so uh, talk to us about the hybrid look of your church in the future, and then we'll wrap it up with that. Right. And I would say I totally agree with you, Ralph, that every church uh, needs to be able to embrace innovation and should be seeking how can it's about the kingdom. How do we reach people with the gospel at the end of the day there? And so I, I do believe the hybrid church is the church of the future. And so for us, what that looks like after Easter, we're not going to continue with the live services via YouTube or Facebook or anything of that nature. What we're going to do is tape our actual service and then have that edited and then share that at a certain time. So it'll premiere at like five in the afternoon for our online audience where uh, in-person gatherings will happen most likely at 10 or noon. That's what it looks like. Uh, what we've learned is uh, because we did do some in-person gatherings, we called them preview services in the middle of COVID um, while we were outside. <laughs> the weather here in Washington, D.C., actually today's a snow day. So gatherings can occur outside right now. And so what we learned through that process is that when we're in person, everything looks aesthetically pleasing for those folks who are at the service. But for those who are online, things may not, you know, look as good. And so we value that online experience as much as we value the in-person experience, sure. put it that way. So we want to make sure that those who are online have a great worship experience. And so we're going to make sure that we edit those live services and make them, again, a great worship experience for our online audience that will be later in the day. So will your online audience then participate in some sort of a, a, an online experience afterwards where they get to discuss and interact with you or interact with some other leaders? Yeah, so I think our main vehicle for connectivity is our Live the Word Cafe, which we do every Monday, and that will continue to be online. And so in person and online, we'll be encouraging folks to connect with us via Live the Word Cafe. And what I like about doing it this way is those who are local are able to glean from those internationally or in other states and all of that. We believe very much in that value of family that when we're one big family and you'll be able to learn some things from this brother or sister in Christ that uh, Pastor McCullough <laughs> could not share with you. I, I, I've never had some of the experiences that you've had or things of that nature. And what we've learned, because this year we had a men's retreat, for example, and that was hosted up in New York City where 
uh, three of the brothers that connect with us live. And so we uh, had a bunch of brothers from all over <laughs> go up to New York City because we're connected on this platform via Zoom. So we have that connectivity, we have that relationship, and now we're able to meet in person. So that weekend was just filled uh, with, of course, fellowship, breaking bread together in person. And so I believe there's a lot of value in having both your online and your in-person be able to, again, come together on some kind of medium. Like, and we use Zoom as our Live the Word Cafe. Well, that's so good. You know, if people want to know more, and I'm sure there are some who do, how, how would they connect? What's your website? And I don't know if you feel comfortable giving it out, but if you do, uh, an email address, how somebody could ask you questions and, and follow up a little bit. Sure. You can connect with us at www.amazinggracedc.org. And you can connect with me at Christopher at amazinggracedc.org. Well, that's really good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, no, Ralph, thank you.